0: your Bibles. Mark chapter 4 is where we'll be today. Again, four verses. Mark 4, 21 through 25. While you're turning, tapping, swiping, um, I just want to pause for a minute and just uh, share a little bit, um, especially with those of you that have come visiting and are here. And uh, So I just want to address uh, just something about membership and want to encourage you. If that's you and your desire to be a f- part of this family, we have a process for that. We call it Membership Matters, and I want to encourage you uh, to participate in that. It's a three-week class. Next one is in August, um, first uh, weekend in August, uh, uh, consecutive, three consecutive Sundays in the morning. Um, if you're unable to make those, talk to an elder. Um, they'll schedule something to come to your house or that kind of thing, but we have a process on what it means to be a member, and we want to help you understand what that is. And what we're trying to avoid is just by you showing up doesn't make you a member. And so we need to know you. And so as a leadership, we're responsible for your spiritual development and growth. And so we want to encourage you, if you would, there's a sign-up sheet out there. Um, if you haven't downloaded the Faith Life app, um, so talk to one of us, the staff, um, see Ashley out there today. Um, all that is information is there so you can get connected uh, with who we are. We want you to belong to this family, right? So we talk about belonging, about growing in Christ. The sole purpose is so that you can reach people where you live, work, and play with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that heaven's more crowded, right? So that kind of sums it all up, but I just want to encourage you. If that's you, and you've been here a while, and and we just don't want to make some assumptions, uh, the elders need to know you, and to get you connected, plugged in, so you can serve, so you can grow and mature. So I just wanted to share that. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them the lamp is brought into the, to, uh, is a lamp brought into the uh, to be put under a basket or under a bed not on a stand for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light if anyone has ears to hear let him hear and he said to them pay attention to what you hear the measure you use it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you for the one who has more will be given And the one who has not, even what he does have will be taken away. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this Independence Day that we celebrate as a nation, as a people. An independence of tyranny and an independence from uh, the hardship that was once a nation in in the making. And we have come a long way, and yet we are still not that far, it seems, in our day. And so we just thank you, not only for the independence of Our freedom and of conscience of all these things that we hold so dear as a country, as a people, but specifically today as we remind ourselves of what that took to accomplish, but even more so the independence from sin, the independence from death, the independence from hell that you have bought with your precious blood, Jesus Christ, on the cross for us. So thank you for the spiritual independence as well. And so, Father, we're here this morning to continue to grow in our maturity and our understanding of how to be faithful followers, to proclaim not only your spiritual gift of independence to us, but how that actually lived out in this nation. And so thank you. Thank you for those gifts that we have so graciously been given as a people, as a nation. In Jesus' name, amen. There will come a point in time... um, I want to help make us help make the connection with this, with this parables that we've been going through because of just didn't fall on Independence Day, which is just how it worked out in the calendar. But we need to make this connection of what you and I have in Christ and then how that gets translated into what we know as America. The freedoms we have, the things that uh, I, quite frankly, probably take way too much for granted. The recognition of what Christ is doing and has done and how that gets lived out in a practical fashion what we know as the freedoms we have as, as Americans, our founding. And so that'll come a little bit later, but I just want to give you a heads up. This means something. And I want to encourage us to help to understand that it's this light that we've been given in Christ gets translated into each and every day of our lives. It gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. It even creates nations. And so we need to pay attention. And that's the focus I want to give us today. Hearing, but not understanding. Be hearing, but not understanding. That's verse 24 in our text. That's how it doesn't translate very good in English, but it's, listen, this is important. You need to hear this and how you need to hear this. Jesus has been expanding. This is this these next section that we're going through, isn't this tacked on section of the parable of the soils? He's going deeper into what he's just explained his disciples. These are the people he's talking to. He just got done explaining this little merry band of of disciples following Jesus around the countryside, and they're wondering, where is the kingdom? We're just this small merry band of people. Where is this? When is this going to show up? Well, everything has a beginning, right? Usually those beginnings are small, aren't they? They don't happen in this big, grandiose way. And what we're looking at is the very beginning of what would become the church. And Jesus says, you're going to bear 30, 60, and 100. The supernatural effect is going to take place. You and I, by the way, are living that effect. But they didn't understand that. And so he's expanding their understanding of what it means to be 30, 60, and 100 in these, this uh, next part of this chapter. So, these aren't additions, these aren't add ons. And Jesus wants them to be a good listener. There's a lot happening in this four verses, in this whole text that we could spend a lot of time on, but I'm going to try not to do that. <laughs> Most of which it comes, oh, yeah, this is the song, you know, don't let your lamp, you know, let your lamp shine, and all of that. When the songs that we learned as a kid hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine, all those things. That one's pretty obvious, but what's not so obvious is how are you listening? Look at verse 23 and 24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a repeat of what he's, he's he's sharing this. He's sharing this over and over in this text. Pay attention. There is a strong emphasis. Listen. Listen to what I'm telling you. And so we need to be good listeners. How do we learn to be good listeners? The context, again, here is being the light of the world. Let your light shine. It's, it's, it's really straightforward. You don't turn a light switch on and then try to cover it up. In their case, they had these clay lamps. They'd fill up them with oil. There'd be a wick in there. They would light it. You don't light that and then just put it under a bed or a mat or, or throw it under a basket. You don't dump the grain out in the basket and cover it up. You let it shine. And it's pretty straightforward. But what's not is how we accomplish that. We are meant to be witnesses for Jesus, that light in your life and mine as Christian people must be allowed to shine. In Ephesians, Paul says, this is the worthy walk. You were this way, you walk this way now in Christ. And that's our Main objective here in Jesus' view, it's this is going to happen. In order for this 30, 60, and 100 to take place, there is going to be this witness. You are going to be my witness. Now, he hasn't said that to them yet, specifically. That'll come later. But he's prepping them for this. This is what it means. This is what's going to take place. How can you and I be good listeners? I want to give you three points things to hang your hat on, if you will, and how you can be a good listener. The first one is you listen obediently. Look at verse 21 and 22. And he said to them, them are the disciples. Not the big crowd. He's still talking to his disciples. Better translation is the lamp is brought in. But is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? It's a rhetorical question. No, you put it on a stand. So it lights up the whole room. We don't want to be in the darkness. We want to be in the light. It's really just, I guess, I don't know. Sorry, sometimes my mind just drifts like that right there. It's a Captain Obvious moment, isn't it? I mean, really? You have to say that? No one does that. You light it up and let it shine. The lamp being referred to here is... It's just a word picture of the truth of the word of God itself, right? This light is being poured into these men and into these women that are following. He is revealing himself. He's revealing the kingdom, what it means. Psalms 119 says this Thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? The point being is that you have received this light. Therefore, Obediently let it shine. He doesn't come right out and say it, but you don't do this. You don't cover the light up. You let it shine. And the means in which you let it shine is your obedience. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, "...for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness," referring to Genesis in creation, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge to the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You've been given this light. You've been given this gift. You've been given salvation. You've been given the mercy we just sang about. You've been given the grace. You've got to let it shine. It's got to show up in your life. It has to mean something. And it shows up in these amazing ways. So many unique ways. One of which we're celebrating today. And sometimes <laughs> we forget that know i do see jesus is just expanding on what he just taught them of the sower and the seed sowers sow; lamps shine it's what they do they just naturally do that the point again is you and i as christian people as followers of jesus christ are obliged then to let this light shine let the light of god's word shine that implies a number of things one that you actually know it that you're applying it that it's permeating your life so it can that your your spiritual tank is filled up with the word of god so when something conveys in your life when some trouble or difficulty or just a, a gospel conversation you're gonna have at work tomorrow you have a means in which to respond to give an account of the witness of jesus christ in you the light is distinct in that it's obedient to the Word of God because it comes from the Word of God. We now conform to it as Christian people. We are now transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12 says. That's where this fruit comes from. That's where the light is generated from. It's produced by Him, and we are the vessels in which it shines out. When this is lived out in your life, in you personally... When it's attached to your family as a family unit, it permeates society. And when it permeates society, it permeates a nation. And it produces true liberty, true freedom, true joy in what it means to be human. But the opposite is also true of that. Should the light not shine? The light allows ultimate human flourishing and the blessing of God because it's innate in it in creation itself. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundant and free. Not just only salvation, that's the beginning part. And we have this hope and assurance of what's coming, but it shows up in our life and this day we celebrate as an experience of what that freedom can look like, this abundance that we have, this freedom. They go hand in hand when the light is lived out rightly. In other words, when the Word of God is conformed to, for you individually, for your family, society, this community, and you just keep expanding it out as a nation. And so Jesus is telling His disciples, and He is reminding them that this knowledge of the true and living God is the light, it is the seed, and it's going to be given to you so you can keep giving it out mentions that back in verse 11. To you it has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, so let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. (laughs) Right? Just let it shine. Let it it just do its work in you. Remember, the seed is sown. it, It just does its work. We don't know. The farmer goes out. That's the next section, so I'm jumping ahead, but he sows it. He goes to sleep. He doesn't know how it works. He just sows the seed. It just does its thing. Just let it shine. Let The gospel do its work in transforming power in you. When is the light called for? When do you call for light? In the middle of the night when you step on that Lego. (laughs) Or stub your toe, you know, get into the bathroom, whatever it is, right? When it's dark. That's usually when you call for the light. And he mentions that in verse 22. There are moments when things that are kept secret, when things that are kept hidden, that will be brought to the light. They're hidden now. They're not understood now. But there will come a time. There's going to come a time when all of this will make sense. It's not revealed to you yet, but there will come a time when it will be. My parents used to do this. Sorry, I'm just drifting off again. Christmas time. I love Christmas. I love the time of year from September to January 1st is uh, is my favorite time of year. So my parents um, had to hide their presents. Because what's more fun than trying to find out what you're going to get, right? I love that. I used to do that today. I did that when we were first married. Did not know it really upset my wife. She took stuff back. Are you kidding? You can't do that. That's cheating. I really want that. So She did. She took it back. Too fun. So my parents would do that, and I always knew because they would change something in the, in the furniture, you know, something around. It. And one year, <clears throat> they turned the bed 45 to the corner of the room, and everything was back there, just looked over the bed like, oh, yes! <laughs> it was meant to be in the dark, right? It was meant to be wrapped up. It was meant to be a secret until when? Christmas. Then it's revealed. That's what he's driving at. There are things that need to be known, and they will be. And in Jesus' perfect timing, in God's perfect timing, not only here, but in your life, you may not know things, you're in a situation where, you know, why? What's going on? I don't understand. But you can trust the Lord to reveal that to you when it's necessary in His time. What Jesus is getting at is, in a word, it's truth. And truth is going to be revealed, and when it is, it crashes into the darkness. It crashes into the lies of this world. It crashes into all that revealing for what it actually is. It's the light that shines into the darkness. The Old Testament is filled with these examples. One of those um, is in Shiloh. You may not be familiar with that, but remember Shiloh. It's a reference in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was such a light bearer at a really dark time in Israel. In Psalms 7860 says this. He, referring to God, he forsook his dwelling at Shiloh, where the tent he dwelt among mankind. They're coming out of Egypt. Moses is dead. Joshua, they're they're conquering, they're doing all that. They ended up there. Shiloh, um, in some translations means tranquil, it means security. You can translate kind of for our day-to-day, freedom, this security, this peace that you have. It's roughly about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. It was the religious center for over 100 years as they were coming and transitioning out of Egypt, out of the tabernacle, the tent that they were carrying around from them, and they actually built this this temple, this miniature version with stone and everything. You can look it up and you can see pictures. It's still there. But it was home. And God says he's forsaking his own dwelling. Why? Why is he doing such a thing? Because the nation of of Israel was disobedient. They became proud. They became complacent in the way they were living. And when they became complacent, they convinced themselves that, well, this is God's city, this is his city, he's not going to destroy, he can't go anywhere, he can't do anything, because this is his. And so we can basically live however we want. That's the short version of that when you read that. They lost sight that God looks on the heart, not on the externals. He looks at the soil, he looks at what's there. Many go through the religious motions and never really repent, never really believe, pretending the whole way, making it look good on the outside. A show of piety, but on the inside, it's a life of unsubmissiveness and disobedience to the Word of God. looks good on the outside, but it's a life full of darkness on the inside. Hearing the Word, but never applying it. Be hearing, but not understanding. And so Jeremiah tells the people, it was a, Shiloh was in its heyday when Samuel was, so you read First and Second Samuel, you can, that's when it was functioning properly, but there came a time and point when people of Israel just jettisoned what the Word of God was telling them to do and to live and to be. And God does have a point, there is a line there that goes, okay, enough, and judgment comes. He is merciful, He is gracious, He is all those things. But it doesn't go on forever. There is always some limit. Read the Old Testament and the New Testament. He is coming again. There is a line in the sand somewhere. When when the cup is filled up, wrath comes. There's always this nature of what's going on in Scripture. He is gracious, He is forgiving, He is all those things. But there is a limit. In other words, a good God would not let this go on for all eternity he deals with evil he deals with it but he doesn't in his own time and so Jeremiah warns the people in Jeremiah 6 5 6 7 8 but Jeremiah 7 12 says this go to my place Jeremiah is saying referring to God's place that was in Shiloh where I made my name dwell first before Jerusalem and see what I did to it because of the evil people of Israel they're they're disobedient they're not listening Go and see what I did. Verse 14 in chapter 7. I will do to the house that is called by my name in which you trust and to the place that I gave you to your fathers as I did so in Shiloh. What did God do? He forsook it. He cursed it because of their evil deeds. They thought it was just just this external thing. God's here, and and He's going to be here, and, and, and we're good. Don't worry about it. In other words, they thought salvation was here. We had this. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect what I do, how I live. And they turned to all of the gods. And this was a cycle of the Old Testament, right? Not unlike our own lives sometimes, right? And He forsook it. Are we not and have we not been for some time as a culture in that same kind of darkness? Are we not presently seeing what the love of darkness produces? See, in verse 22, the disciples haven't seen this supernatural fruit yet. Yet Jesus is telling them, it's coming. You and I may feel the same way in our current society. You may feel, as a Christian, where you once had security and Everybody's kind of on the same page and we like our freedom and all that. That's not the case anymore. Our culture seemingly sliding down to the depths of insanity, calling evil good and good evil, which is the definition of darkness, redefining everything and driving so very hard with all the levers of the cultural powers that be trying to use that at their disposal to get us there. John 3.19, we always kind of stop at John 3.16. But John 3.19, people loved darkness rather than what? Light. And then he explains why. Because their deeds are evil? I don't want them exposed. I just want you to celebrate it. Romans 1, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, so... To do what ought not to be done, though they know Him, though they know God, they know His decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not, uh, they not only do them, but give approval. Your King James Version, if you're still reading this, may say hearty, hearty approval to those who practice them. Isn't that not what we're seeing? See, we are living in a time, I believe, as a people, as a nation, where the ideals of what makes a nation stable, what makes a nation free, what makes us celebrate this, this good, consistent, virtuous, honorable notion of freedom and liberty and where it came from in light of our Constitution, which is based on mostly of Scripture. We are shedding that, the acknowledgement of God's truth, that truth that light being applied in those founding documents, the basis for us being a nation is being violently thrown off. And we are told that it's now evil. I don't buy that. I'm not buying what they're selling. I believe we are living, therefore, in a Psalms 2 moment. If you read Psalms chapter 2, not unlike other nations who have gone down this direction, And they have been judged, and they have been found wanting, just like God did in Shiloh, because of disobedience. Psalms 2, why did the nations rage? Why did the people plot in vain? Man, God asked some good questions. (laughs) What you're doing is a fool's errand, is basically what he's saying. You're going to go down this road, and it never ends well, and it hasn't for any nation, ever, ever. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. What bonds is He referring to? What cords do they want to do away with? The truth and the revelation of the light of Christ, of who Jesus Christ is. Light has come into the world, but it's been rejected. This is His creation, right? This is his sandbox. He's the one that lets everybody play in it, but by his standards, by his judgments, the bonds and cords that say there are only two genders, that's his bonds and cords. The bonds and cords that define what men and women are. The bonds and cords that define specific roles of men and women. The bonds and cords that define what family is, what marriage is, what a mother, father, and child is. Those bonds those seeds, those lights, and much more. Stay connected to who God is, and you will be blessed. Disconnect, and you won't. In our disobedience, if you cut those off, you end up in darkness, and you'll be judged. So he says, why do you rage? Why do you fight? Why do you plot? It doesn't end well. Why? Because we don't acknowledge God. See, we're not that different than the nation of Israel. Who's doing the giving, by the way, in Romans? When Paul says that, who's doing the giving over? God is. There is a limit. And just like we see Jesus is pointing to a time when judgment comes and he switches tactics, as we've seen with this parable he now teaches them parables they hear, but they cannot understand, and it's a form of judgment. And in that moment, He gives them this understanding so His true disciples won't get discouraged. It is meant to be hopeful. It's meant for them not to throw up their hands and go, what's the point? Why well, bother then? Maybe you felt that way in this last year, year and a half. Maybe that's why James and John when they're out and about in Luke 9, asked Jesus if they could bring down fire from heaven. Let's roast them. <laughs> Let's just torch them. I don't Listen, right? Maybe, maybe that's what they were thinking. I don't know. But it's connected to those people's unbelief, the Samaritans that Jesus was talking to. It says he had set his eyes, Jesus set his eyes on Jerusalem. He's bypassing the Samaritans, and there's a whole reason for all that. Can't go into that right at the moment but they were looked on as lesser people. Meaning there was a a place for true worship, and it wasn't in Samaria; it was in Jerusalem, so they didn't want him to stay. They were angry at him for not. So let's just call down fire. Through it all, Jesus says to be obedient, even when you don't understand. The key is just that. Be obedient. Just bring the light into the room that's all we're responsible for just keep sowing seeds the point is that you are being obedient you and i are not the judge we are just sowing seeds bringing the light in the dark room the dark room meaning our culture we don't determine the outcome he is the heart changer we are just the light bearers. So be obedient. That's the point here. Good listeners are obedient. They stay on mission, they stay on task. You do it by hearing, by hearing and living it out, being obedient to the word of God. That's how, know, how you know you've been heard, that you're, it's understood. God is the one who does the calling, He is the one. And he says, there are more coming. That's his point. There's more coming. He's telling the disciples, it's not at this moment. This is the beginning, but there's many more coming. How do we know that? Because he lets them know that in John 10. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. That's you and I, by the way, some 2,000 years later. But what do they actually sing in that moment? Well, there's 12 of us. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a lot. It seems like, Everybody's against us. It seems like this is, you know, fourth down and it's fourth and, you know, 80. <laughs> and, and Jesus goes, yeah, it's okay. Supernatural stuff is coming. Don't fear. Don't be worried. Just be obedient. How do you listen obediently? How do you listen when what you're being told Verse 23, more is going to be given. But that's not what you're seeing in that moment. How do you see and make the distinction? I know you're telling me this, but this is what I'm actually seeing, right? What's really the question when those things run through your mind? What will be running through their mind? What questions and penetrating thoughts start to move into your thought process? When what you're being told isn't matching up with what you're seeing. I can think of one. I'm sure there's more. But here's my bottom line one. Can I trust you? Can I trust what you're telling me to be true? Do I trust you? And that leads to our second thought of what it means to be a good listener. And that's verse 23-24. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them again, in other words, pay attention to what you hear. It's by faith, isn't it? The only way you're going to be obedient, the only way you're going to believe, the only way you're going to follow Christ is through faith. Otherwise, there's no point. I had a conversation years ago with one of the guys at work, kind of going through this about, you know, Believing and and repenting and being baptized. Well, I'm not going to do. If I don't believe, why would I do that? I'm like, you wouldn't. (laughs) You answer your own question. If if you're not going to believe, you're not going to repent. Why would you? You're certainly not going to be baptized. I wouldn't do it anyway. But it all comes by faith. If anyone hears, let him hear. Pay attention. Jesus is emphasizing this over and over again. How do you listen? How do you hear by faith? 2 Corinthians 5, for we know, okay, that's a whole other thing, how do you know, your epistemology, how you know that you know, what do you know, how do you know it, all of that, for we know, Paul says, we know that if in this tent our earthly home is destroyed, referring to his body, our earthly bodies, we have a building from God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, verse 2, for in this tent, this one, we groan, longing to put away our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on uh, we may not found naked. For while we are still in this tent, this physical body, we groan. <laughs> yes, I do more and more as the carry hairs start to filter in more. <laughs> right? In other words, life is hard. It's not easy. But what does he say? Being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, and there's this little caveat here, but that we would be further clothed so that... What is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I'm groaning because this mortal thing needs to be put off. It needs to be swallowed up. I want to have eternal life. That's what he's driving at. It's interesting to me. Most everyone you would ask would think of what is mortal as true life. But Paul says, no, this is not, this is not it. In other words, this is not true life in that sense. There is a mortality That gives way to immortality. In verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing. What thing? What is God preparing you at this very moment? He's preparing you for something. What is He preparing you for? Eternal life. (laughs) He has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always. It's always dangerous to do never and always in your relationships, right? Especially with your husband or wife. You always... Or you never, don't do that. (laughs) But God can, right? You always are of what? Good courage. We know while that we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul repeats this in Galatians 5, 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah, we were just back there in the soils, right? The thorns, the desires of the flesh, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and other desires for other things. You're not going to do that when you're walking by faith. Only when you're in your sinful mortality, just mortal being, because that's all there is for you. And there is this contrast, there is this discrimination, if you will, for those who hear and those who do not. And it's in both of those texts, walking by faith, not by sight or walking in the Spirit. They're the same concept. So the question remains, how do you know? How do you know you're walking by faith? You're a light bearer. You're a seed sower. You're people of good fruit, good soil that bear much fruit. Where does that come from? It comes from faith. Faith comes from what? Hearing the Word of God. That's foundational. It's amazing to me the contrast in religion and culture to try to pursue this. Let me give you one more. Go to Deuteronomy 6, chapter verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4. You may know this by by its Hebrew word, Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's Shema, and it goes on. But the word here, here is the word Shema. And Christians, as well as Jews in that day, were people of words. People of the word and words. This is a religion of the ear, not of the eye, in other words. Of listening, not seeing. That's faith. The knowing and the knowledge of God comes from hearing, not seeing Him. Faith is what pleases God, for without it is impossible, Hebrews 11.6 says. Reading, words, resuscitation, listening is at the very heart of faith. Faith in who God is. Contrast that with everything else you've studied, everything else we know in Scripture, everything else of other gods. What are they? What happens? It's all about sight. It's all about eyes. It's all about image. It's all about appearance. And all those things led to temptation. All those other things led to sin. All those things that lead to idolatry. Only hearing leads to faith. Sight leads to idolatry. And only one of those, only one of those leads to salvation. Look at. Look, Think of Genesis. Go back all the way to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve. God told them, right? Everything in the garden is yours but this one thing. What was the first, what was the first question that came to them? Did God really what? Say. Did you hear it right? Are you sure you heard it right? If You go to verse six, what did the woman say? How does, how does Moses describe that? What she heard? The fruit looked or the fruit sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> no. She saw. She used her eyes. she used her sight. She used her senses. She walked by those things, not by faith, not by what she heard, not what she understand what is the true word of God. She saw. How about Isaac in Genesis 27? This is a long list. I won't go through them all. Whose voice did he hear? And in his old age, that he was about to bless. I hear the voice of Jacob. And then he's reaching out. He's feeling all the deception of the hairiness of his brother, Esau. What did he trust in? What he heard or what he felt? His senses. He trusted in what he could see, what he could feel, what he could touch totally messed up their family. There are so many more of these examples I've discovered. Moses at Mount Sinai. God comes down. All the people hear the voice and what are they doing? They're they're totally freaked out. They're totally just, we we don't want to do it. Moses goes up to get 10 commandments to meet with the Lord and what do they do? They build a golden calf. Hands, eyes. And what do they proclaim? This is is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Are you kidding me? I always get tripped up here. And I always have to remind myself, yeah, I'd have done the same thing probably. But you saw these really amazing things. My grandkids just asked me that. Grandpa, how come God doesn't do those things now? I love questions. (laughs) It wouldn't have mattered. They saw them. People actually saw the supernatural effect of who and what God did, all of it. And they still rebelled. Just like what's happening in our text, Jesus did this, this whole series, this whole preaching and teaching and and inserting the light into the culture, healing people and doing all these amazing miracles, multiplying food, and that's all they're after. Just give me the goods. Just give me what I can see. Just give me what I can taste. Just give me what I can touch. None of it by faith. Peter did the same thing. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out. Walk in the water with you. I like that one too. Surf's up! <laughs> right? What happens to him? Where is he looking? Every other place. Jesus. He did. Come. He heard him. He gets out of the boat. He gets lots of credit for that. All the other disciples, chickens or whatever that conversation was afterwards. At least I got out. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> Where did he he, he saw, didn't he? And what happened when he saw? Temptation, sin, idolatry, the waves, all the stuff. That's what that leads to. Thomas, the same thing. I'm not going to believe unless I can touch it. I can see it. I can taste it. But oh, Jesus was so gracious to him. And what did he say about you? Blessed are those who what? Haven't seen. Which is like 99.9% of the people who call themselves Christians, Right? who actually saw Jesus. What had Jesus been doing for about half of his ministry up to this point in time? He's showing the the kingdom. He's traveling the countryside, showing them the kingdom. He's putting the kingdom of God on visual display. What was the result for most? Unbelief. Back in chapter 3. Oh, you're doing this by the power of Satan. And so Jesus says in verse 25, The one who has not, what he has will be taken away. He's referring to the Jewish leaders. See, sight is external. and All the pagan gods of all of history, people can see them. It's it's all this visual impact that they're after. If I can control that, I can make a spectacle and make everybody bow down and worship, think Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to make this big tower, and I'm going to play the music and all your senses, and everything's going to be worked up into this, and you're going to bow down. All because you can see. Same thing with the gods of Egypt. And we think we've so advanced in our day, haven't we? And yet even the gods of our day. What is our modern process for truth? Observation, science, insight, hindsight, foresight. You look to get understanding, not by faith. Oh, those things are good, please don't. I'm not an anti-science person, okay? Please don't go there. Those are all good things, but again, in their proper order. See, the godly, the good soil people, the people of the light, hear even when what they are seeing is contrary to what their eyes are telling them. God is not seen, but he is heard. Hence the commandment not to make any graven images. He's eternal, just like his word. What is seen stops us in some concept. This visual satisfaction, when I look, I can see it. Oh, it's done. It doesn't go beyond that. But God's word, what does he say? It lasts forever. My word will not pass away. It's fully being known and it's knowing the truth. What does Jesus say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My word never will. It's eternal. Do you hear the contrast? It's by faith. Faith is the defining distinction of the true follower of Christ. That is good soil, people. How do you know you have it? Well, we can go to James and get tested, but we don't like that one. But how do you know? Are you obedient to the word? That's how you know. When everybody says everything contrary to the Word of God, are you obedient to it? Are you trying to break the cords and break the bonds too? That's how you know. That's how you have the confidence. Your obedience to the Word of God, and faith with, uh, and without faith it is impossible to please Him, referring to God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and He is the reward of those who earnestly seek Him. You're not going to... All those conversations, prove to me God exists. Well, yeah, prove to me gravity works too. Show it to me. I mean, those are just cyclical conversations, and typically it's just an avenue to stay in your unbelief, never really wanting an answer, just an argument. And I'm just kind of tired of arguing, quite frankly. I don't know about you. Do you know Him? Do you hear Him? Do you trust Him? This, by the way, speaks directly to what you view the Word of God, the Bible that you're holding in your hand your app, that it's reliable, that it's truthful. That's why we talk about having a high view of the Word of God here. We want to have it high and lift it up. Real quickly, the last one. You listen with hope. Verse 25, for the one who has, more will be given. Isn't that good? You can, we could can even stretch that out to confidence. Oh, awesome, I'm getting more. Or courage because I'm getting more. What is it that you have that you'll be getting more of? Okay, Certainly not the temporal things we just talked about in the other parable, right? And not more stuff. Not more things of this world. Nothing temporal here. This is a reference back to the 30, 60 and 100 he's referring to, this supernatural growth that God is going to do. He's going to do to demonstrate what you're doing. He's coming alongside. He's making it grow. All those conversations you have, all the seed sowing, the light bearing that you're doing, it matters. It means something. It's the means in which He's using to glorify himself. So never think that it doesn't matter. It matters. He's going to do a work in you and through you and collectively as a church when we are obedient, when we are walking in faith, and when we have this hope within us to sow, to bring light into the darkness. We've already established that not everyone you sow to, not everyone you bring light into, based on the previous parable, will bring about salvation. But what are you sowing Whatever you are sowing, God is faithful, and He will give a return to it. He's the one doing that. You and I are just light bearers. Just give Jesus. Just talk about Him in your life. Those conversations you have where you live, work, and play. Give it, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken, overflowing, Right? faithful people give and you'll be blessed you'll be blessed in this life but also in the next faithful people give and experience every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and throughout all your life the ups and the downs of this one what we're groaning for that we mentioned already you will take with those things into eternal life and that quite frankly is a very long time don't you think? What are you measuring out? He says what it's measured to you. What's being measured out, in other words, the light, the word of God, God's divine truth about himself, the gospel, in other words. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, just ask. He'll do it. Pray for more understanding. Pray for more truth. Pray for more grace. Pray for more power. Pray for more courage, boldness, contentment, fulfillment, to have this abundant life that he desires to give you. Live this life in such a way with an utter abandonment toward the kingdom. You won't know when this one ends and the next one begins. It'll just be seamless for you. That's what he came to give. Is what he said, abundant life. Notice the contrast again. Those who don't hear expectantly and hopefully, those people that just kind of hang around on the fringes, they come to church maybe here and there, those who have appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. It doesn't work so well for them. You've seen, you've heard, Hebrews says, you've tasted heavenly gifts, but you still don't hear because you've never come to salvation in Jesus Christ. See, true believers hear with hope and because God has begun a good work in you He's the one going to bring it to completion, not you. You just bear it. Bear the light. Let him do his work in you. He will complete it. When Jesus gets to the end, as he's leaving his disciples, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's reminding them of all these things. Let me ask you something. Do you hear in obedience? I always feel like I have to create this caveat here. Because we get stuck in this, oh, that means I've got to be perfect. We all understand we're all sinners. We all get that. But that doesn't lower the bar. Go, "Oh, oh, well. That's Shiloh. That's what that was. We're all tied that way. To get past that. That God has a Reasonable response now once you've repented and been forgiven. I am still a sinner. I will always need the grace. I will always need more mercy every day of my life. But there is something happening in me. There is something happening in us. There is a standard, therefore, that he desires us to reach. His growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. We don't stay. We don't redefine everything to the lowest common denominator. So are you obedient? To his word, to the knowledge and the revelation that you've been given. Are you obedient in faith? Do you have hope? Are you a good listener, in other words? What's the greatest gift God has given you? Well, certainly Jesus Christ in salvation. But how did you hear about that? Somebody had to say something, right? His word had to be applied somewhere. Without knowing that, knowing him would be impossible without his divine revelation that he has inserted himself into his own creation, into his own sandbox to let the light shine. So everything we talked about a week or two ago with Karl Marx, all religions are all this. You can't recognize the true one. And that Christianity got Jesus, gets lumped into his thinking and all the rest. But the true light has come. That's the distinction. That's why the darkness doesn't like it. That's why all this low common denominator stuff, no excellence in our life, not pursuing those things. He has inserted himself and makes all of the gods faults, all the other gods man has tried to create to his own eternal destruction. So what are you hoping in? A place like Shiloh? Shiloh? A misplaced belief in external religious acts without repentance, without a life of obedience, without faith in the one you're claiming to have received the light from. Be hearing and understanding and let your light shine in obedience, in faith, and in hope. Father, thank you for these measures in which we can hear your word to know the distinctions that are being made by you through your word. And this is uncomfortable sometimes, Lord. Uncomfortable in the sense that all the external things we do to rest in, to feel good about who we are, about life, and somehow you get lost in the shuffle. Just like Israel of old at a place called Shiloh, who have thought just because you showed up, they were good, and it didn't matter whether they were obedient to you or not. So, Father, I pray and ask, open our ears. If there's something in the way that's inhibiting us to truly hear you, to come to salvation, if someone hasn't come to know the salvation of Christ and what he offers the freedom, the liberty from the slavery and bondage of sin to be set free truly free to know the love gift that you've given to accomplish that and for those of us here who have and know the freedom the liberty what it means to be set free God I pray you grow us to live that out day by day more and more in such a way that you are glorified that our light and the lumens in which we are being expressed with our lives gets turned up each and every day we live so that we shine brighter and brighter in this dark world God I am so thankful so for so many light bearers here who get it, even when it's hard, even when it hurts, to let their light shine in acts of service to glorify you the way you've gifted them, to come alongside someone to encourage, to lift them up, even maybe when they don't want to, to fight for them if need be. Father, we just give you thanks. For the people that are here, good fruit, good soil people, good light bearers, to express the joy of what Christ, Jesus Christ has given us new life, an Independence Day that will last for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.